Let's go to John's Gospel. Gospel account of John chapter 17. As we continue through John on Sunday mornings, I'd like to read verses 17 through 19. The Bible says in John chapter 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Jesus is praying here shortly before He'll be betrayed. And I understand these are the verses we read last week. I haven't forgotten that we're in the same place. But I didn't get to all that I wanted to say last week. And so bear with me as we continue to look at these passages. Last week our focus was primarily verses 17 and 19. And we considered the need for us to be sanctified. And we must come apart before we will begin to be set apart for God's work. We must come apart from the world, its sinful pleasures, if we're going to keep moving forward in our sanctification. Jesus here, He prays twice for His disciples to be sanctified, and in both instances, He ties it back to the Word of God. Prays for them to be sanctified in verse 17, by the truth, and he says, Thy word is truth. And then in verse 19, he says a similar statement. And we must be people of the word of God. We must be people of God's word if we are going to be set apart for God's holy purposes. We must live out the word of God so that others can see. It isn't enough to be in the word of God, but the word of God must be in you. We must allow the Word of God to conform us into the image of Christ. Remember that it's our sanctification which identifies us as children of God. It's when we act different, dress different in some respects, talk different. When we no longer partake in sinful activities. And through this change in our lives... Others should be able to notice something has taken place in our life. Especially some of you who were saved a little bit later in life. Somebody sees you years later and goes, what happened to you? It's sanctification. We become set apart as we live the word of truth. Now what this means is we must be students of the word of God. We must hide God's word in our heart. And we must heed the Word of God. We must read, study, obey, meditate, memorize the Word of God. If we want God to work in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure, then we must allow the Word of God to effectually work in us who believe. And it's by our sanctification which gives us credibility to witness to the lost. What good is your message if there's no difference? The credibility of our message is is in step with our sanctification. Our effectiveness goes along with our sanctification. And the closing question I asked last week was, can people identify you as a disciple of Christ because you are being sanctified? As we begin today, we could say that sanctification 
is when we become a disciple of Jesus Christ. We are being sanctified as we follow our Lord. The more we follow Christ, the more sanctified we will become. And we are setting ourselves apart as people who believe this book, that live this book. This is why I was so excited to have finally started our discipleship program earlier this year. And, and wouldn't you know, two weeks into that thing, COVID hit. Isn't that great? After we invested $300 in these books. I'm excited to get that back up and going again. And so hang tight, we'll get that rolling again. But that's what we need to do. And I guess what I'm saying is, if you're wondering what it looks like to be sanctified, take note of how the Bible speaks of disciples. Study a disciple and you'll see what it means to be sanctified. Let me quickly give you some things that Jesus stated in the Gospels in regard to disciples. Jesus said in Luke 6.40, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. You see, in a sanctified believer, a disciple is one that is humble. It is not one who has arrived. It is not one who is above his master. It is not one who has a pharisaical attitude towards others. Amen. And listen, you're going to be labeled a disciple of whatever you most outwardly participate in. Somebody may say, that guy's a gamer. That guy's a baller. That guy's a gym rat, right? That guy plays soccer. What did I say in the first one? He's a footballer. I won't tell you what Brother DeGarmo called it. <laughs> yeah. It had to do with a fairy or something. <laughs> so, you will be identified <laughs> as whatever you most outwardly participate in. I love you, Brother Breck. Just kidding, Brother. Um, by the way, you look fantastic. And uh, Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, if, if any man come to me and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. A sanctified believer, one that is growing in Christ, and one that is a disciple of Christ, will not allow any other relationship upon this earth to come before their relationship with God. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. A disciple is one who is going to push on through the hardships of the Christian life. That we will endure the rigors that we will endure hardness, that we will take up our cross and we'll follow Christ. Jesus said in Luke 14, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciples. Disciples of Christ have nothing more important in this life than following the Lord. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Disciples of Christ, those who are being sanctified, they are laborers in God's field. And they are praying for more laborers to enter into the field. In Matthew 14, Jesus feeds 5,000 men beside the women and children. And we read in verse 19 that He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took five loaves and two fishes. Looking up to heaven, He blessed and brake and gave the loaves to His disciples and the disciples to the multitude. He gave to the disciples and then the disciples gave. A disciple of Christ is participating in the work of the Lord. The Bible says in John 8, 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My word, then are ye My disciples indeed. Sanctified believers are continuing in the Word of God. John 15, 8, Jesus said, Herein is My Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be. My disciples. Disciples will bear much fruit for God. There's an overall theme when we think about the disciples that where Jesus went, the disciples went. The Bible says in Matthew 8.23, And when He was entered into a ship, His disciples followed Him. Disciples of Christ are followers of the Lord because they are desirous to be in His presence. They go where He goes. Another common one is disciples preach and teach the Word of God. Jesus sent them out preaching repentance. Disciples of Christ, they obey their Master. And I'm sure there's a lot more we could add to all of this. I didn't probably get it all. But to recap all of that, asking the question, are you a disciple? Are you representing Christ? Are you humble? Is Christ your first relationship priority? Are you prepared to endure? Is following Christ your number one goal? Are you laboring? Are you praying? Are you participating? Are you continuing in God's Word? Do you love the saints? Are you bearing much fruit? Are you in Christ's presence? Are you preaching and teaching the message of Christ? And are you obedient to Christ? These are all marks of being a sanctified Christian. And don't let this list overwhelm you. These were not perfect men. They had doubts. They had questions. They didn't understand it all. There were times that Jesus had to rebuke them. But they were staying with it. They were staying with the Lord. They were continuing through it all. They were staying faithful. And I'm telling you this morning, the difference is the saint who will continue with God. It's a process. This is how you become sanctified. It isn't because you are the world's best disciple ever to walk planet earth. But it's because you are faithful. You get back up when you fall. You confess your sins when you sin. You keep trying to learn when you don't understand. And you just keep trusting God. And you keep seeking to live in His presence. Not are you perfect. 
But are you actively pursuing godliness? Are you active in your sanctification? Do you desire God and His holiness? I will tell you this morning, you just keep at it. Just keep at it. Ask for forgiveness when you sin. Keep reaching for more of God. We're all in this process together as God's children. We're all in this thing. We're all being sanctified. We're all being worked on. We're all under renovation. None of us has arrived. None of us are God's gift to anybody. We just want to keep at it and keep working. We need to draw an eye to God and He will draw an eye to us. If we keep working on our relationship with Him, then He will keep working in and through us. And I would say this morning that we need to keep trying to apprehend the One who has apprehended us. And I believe that every child of God, every child of God, should strive to get to the place where they can look at another believer and say like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be ye followers together of me, even as I also am of Christ. We should all desire to get to the place where we can look at a new believer and say, You follow me, you're going to be heading in the right direction. Now I've said repeatedly that a healthy church has believers from all over. We should have babes in Christ. That's a good sign. It means we're reaching new believers. But they should not stay babes. Somebody that's been in church for 50 years and is still a babe in Christ, either they didn't try very hard or the church failed them. And so we love babes in Christ, but isn't it wonderful when there's a mature believer that can come alongside a new believer and say, let me show you how to live the Christian life. What a blessing. We should strive to get to that point. And a right church will fulfill the great commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And I'm afraid that some churches today are so concerned with the going into all of the world part and the preaching of the gospel part that they lose sight of the rest of the great commission. We are not only to go, but we are then to baptize. And then we are not only to baptize, but if we are going to fulfill the Great Commission, we have got to have the follow-through, which is teaching them to observe all things. That's where we've dropped the ball as independent Baptists. Listen, you've got to understand, back there in the 70s, the megachurches were the independent Baptist churches. What happened to the next generation? They were not discipled. Thank God for every soul who receives Christ as their Savior. Thank God for every soul that follows the Lord and is baptized. But we have got to teach them. And this is where I am burdened. Because we no longer live in a day where there's a general familiarity with the things of God. We have to go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 and say, this is who God is. And then we have to take them to Genesis 2 and we have to say, this is Adam and Eve. We've got to go to Genesis 3. This is why there's sin in the world. We've got to go to chapter 4 and we've got to say, this is why God doesn't accept works. based. We've got to go through the very basics. They don't know. They don't know. We must teach them. And I want to be that church that not only is reaching new people, but then 
we are baptizing them, and more importantly, after that, we are following through with teaching them. I want to watch them become sanctified to the will of God for their life. I'll take all the church transfers I can get. That's okay. Amen. I believe we're the best church in town. I'll take them all. That's where y'all should. Amen. Sometimes the transfer is necessary. I understand that. Sometimes it's not. But my heart's desire is to see brand new converts who have no knowledge of God be saved, baptized, discipled right here at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. And this is only going to be realized as we become sanctified to what God has for us to do. Which leads me to what I skipped over last week. Let's take note of verse 18 in the beginning of verse 19. Jesus prays, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself. We see in verse 19 that Jesus had to be sanctified for our sakes. Now, Jesus did not need sanctification in the same manner in which we need sanctification. Jesus was sinless. Amen. Now, we should desire to be like Jesus when it comes to having our life set apart for God's purpose. But unlike Jesus, we also need to be sanctified in our Christian life that we're getting victory over sin. We need to be set apart from sin. Jesus was sent to this world for a very definite purpose. There are several things the Bible says this is why He came into the world, but we could all agree that the zenith is when Jesus Christ gave His life a ransom for many. When He shed His blood and then was buried and rose again and then ascended to the Father. That's why He came. Jesus set Himself apart for the work of God and for the fulfilling of God's Word. And thanks to Him living a sanctified life, we now are able to be sanctified. Which is how I read verse 19. What Jesus did upon this earth was all for our sakes. You understand? He he didn't need it. And it's important that we understand this because at our best state, we are altogether vanity. We are all hell-deserving sinners. We are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We have all come short of the glory of God. And we were enemies of God apart from Christ. But despite our wickedness, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you ever let that verse become old. You let that verse be fresh to you as it was the first time you heard it. And all of it was thanks to Jesus sanctifying Himself. What if Jesus had given in to the temptations of the devil? What if Jesus did call more than 12 legions of angels to bypass the cross? What if Jesus did come down from the cross when they were mocking Him and tempting Him? Why, we'd have no salvation. We'd be without hope because we'd be without God in the world. He did stay sanctified. He kept Himself set apart to fulfill God's will during His earthly life. He stayed holy. He stayed harmless. He stayed undefiled. He was the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. And as we read of Jesus' life, We read of a life of sanctification. 
or even at the age of 12, we find him in the temple saying, I must be about my father's business. Do we have any 12-year-olds that are saying that today? He began his public ministry in Israel about the age of 30. We watched for three and a half years as Jesus went about doing the will of the Father. He was completely obedient and sold out for God. In Acts chapter 10, verses 36 to 38, it says, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with Him. Because Jesus was sanctified, He went about doing good. What are you doing? He preached, He taught, He healed, He cast out demons because God was with Him. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And I can't help but wonder this morning as I think about Jesus coming to this earth because He wanted to do the will of the Father, but He wanted to make God known. He wanted to make the way of salvation known. And as I think about our sanctification, I can't help but wonder, is there somebody in the world that you rub shoulders with, that you're near all the time, and their dependence on knowing about salvation is whether or not you're living a sanctified life? Boy, that burdens me. Maybe they're waiting for you. That's the purpose that God has for you. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the purpose. You've got to live a sanctified life. He set Himself apart for the work of God to fulfill the will of God to let the world know this is the way of salvation. Jesus isn't walking this earth anymore physically. That job falls to us. We must live sanctified lives. Because somebody out there is depending on you. They don't know it yet, but they're depending on you to be sanctified in order for you to tell them, this is the way of salvation. And I can give you testimonies where it happens years later. All the way back there as an airman and a sergeant sitting down in the office with a trainee talking about the things of God some ten years later letting you know, Thank you for staying faithful. Thank you for telling me I finally got saved. You just stay with it. You just stay faithful. But that only happens through sanctification. Jesus says in verse 19 of our text that He sanctified Himself so that His disciples might be sanctified through the truth. I want you to get this now. Jesus stayed sanctified and fulfilled His Father's will in order that you and I could be sanctified and fulfill our Father's will. Look at verse 18 again. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Jesus was sent into the world for a purpose. And now for those of us in Christ, we are to live sanctified lives because we are being sent into the world for a purpose. We're not just happenstance. This isn't just random. And now remember from the previous verses that we studied that Christ said we are no longer of this world. Hallelujah. Christ rescued us from the filth of this world, from the sin of this world, from the corruption of this world. But Jesus goes on to say in verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. We are left in the world for a purpose. 
And Jesus says in verse 18 that we are now sent in the world just as Jesus was sent into the world. So what does that mean for us? Well, let's consider again why Jesus came. He came to save sinners. He came to fulfill His Father's will to make the way of redemption to whosoever will come. We might could summarize it by saying He came to make God's salvation a reality. Therefore, it stands to reason in my mind, the reason we are now sent into the world is so we will make God's salvation known to as many as possible. But when's the last time you testified? Did you know that we are all God-called missionaries here this morning? It isn't just for the church planters. We are all to go into the world. Now he's got to fulfill what God has put on his, his life. But you don't have to move in order to be a missionary. You don't have to go to a foreign field to be a missionary. You understand, there's lost people in Rapid City. What is our population now? 70,000, give or take? There's not 70,000 in here. We're all called. We are called in the Bible ambassadors for Christ. And we know that we are becoming more and more sanctified as we go about doing good. And thank God He's promised to be with us as we do. Now Jesus is our best example in all things. And Peter said in 1 Peter 2.21 that Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. Jesus came to this world for a purpose, and I want you to be assured this morning that you are here in this world right now for a God-given purpose. And our purpose is to make God known and to glorify Him. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12 say, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Why? That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all of this is the product of sanctification. That's when we begin to glorify as we are being sanctified. And I would tell you that sanctification is a good work. Isn't that kind of what it says? Fulfill all good pleasure in His goodness and the work of faith, of faith with power. It's a good work. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9 that we shall reap if we faint not. That we are not to be weary in well-doing. It's a good thing. And so I hope you can see how sanctification is what enables us to do the work of God which He has sent us forth to do. This is why Jesus prays verse 18 in between verses 17 and 19. It's almost out of place if you don't connect it. He says in verse 17, you need to be sanctified by the Word of God. He says in verse 19, you need to be sanctified by the Word of God. But there in the middle He says, I'm sending you into the world. Why is that there? Because without our sanctification, we will not be effective as we go into the world. We are sent into the harvest field to labor. But you will only labor as you are set apart. 
In John chapter 6, Jesus was teaching a difficult doctrine for them in that day. It caused many of His disciples outside of the eleven, and maybe even them, to murmur. It's a doctrine that is still being used to justify the false teaching of transubstantiation. Jesus was essentially saying, you subside because of me. Well, he taught this doctrine. People started to murmur. And the Bible says in John 6, 66 through 69, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Those who turned away that day failed in their sanctification. They did not go on to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. But there were at least eleven that day, I believe, who whether they fully understood it or not, they knew enough to stay with Christ. Where else can we go? You have the words of life. These are the ones that God would use to turn the world upside down. And you might be like most of us in here who still have questions about certain doctrines. You might be like most of us in here who when we go through a hard time, we have questions and we have doubts. There may be times when the Lord has to rebuke us for our lack of faith and our unbelief. But what makes the difference, what is going to make the difference in your sanctification, in your discipleship, the difference between those who turn away and those who stay is those who understand enough to know to say, I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. And for this reason, I'm going to stay with the one who laid down his life for me. I don't know much, but I know that that's something. And I'm going to stay with Him. Come what may. And can I just tell you today, He's only ever been good to me. This is what causes us to be the ones who will go into all the world preaching the gospel to every creature. Compelling them to come in. Seeing them come to know the Lord, then dunking them as they make their profession of faith public and then go on to disciple them to maturity. Let's keep working at our sanctification. And let's allow God to send us into the world for the cause of Christ. And who knows, God may use us to turn Rapid City upside down. How's your sanctification today? Are you a true disciple of Christ? Are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life? You are here to be sent into the world to reach sinners. That's why you're here. Your job is a means to an end. Your secular job is simply to finance your mission field. Amen. Yeah, it, put food, it puts food on the table. Praise God, it pays bills. We tithe, we give, we give to missions. But you're there to reach people for Christ. And you say, well, I'm not where I should be. I desire to be closer to God and to do even more for God. 
Can I tell you, you're in a good place because you're desirous. I'm in that position. I want to do more for God than I've ever done. I want to get as close to God as I've ever been. I want more of God. And thank God the desire is there. And I would tell you, church, let's act upon it. The key is simply to continue. Never give up. When you fall down, get back up. We shall reap if we faint not, if we just stay with it. You know why so many churches have come and gone? Because they didn't stay with it. You know why this church is still here? Because these two people right up here stayed with it. That's what makes the difference. It's not that these are superheroes. They just continued. They stayed when they maybe wanted to leave. Somebody once said, if you, if you stay, they'll go. If you go, they stay. Talking about the rebels. Just stay with it this morning. If you need to talk to God about your sanctification and your growth today, I invite you to come down to this altar. Talk to God about it. I want to tell you, our effectiveness will only be as good as our sanctification. Let's pray.